Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. NFL Trend Zone. I am your host, Dustin Baker, here with Jason Bowen, Wes Johnson. We're going to go over all the week's NFL topics, all of these wide receivers, and nearing the final end of their deal, deal want the hell out. Oh, and it's wild. The NFL draft is among us. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, we're going to cover the weekly slate of NFL topics because that's what we do on NFL Trend Zone. Foremost, our sponsor, betonline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NFL playoffs, fights, and even next season's future propositions. Don't forget the MLB is back. Uh, Who are you picking to win the World Series? Go check it out. Is Dodgers, Giants, Yankees? What do we got? BetOnline is your continued source of all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up. Use the promo code BLEAV, believe BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome to bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So the trend, excuse me, the trend zone is back after uh, a week off, so to speak. And we got a lot of topics, um, chiefly the wide receiver business that just kicked up. Like all of these dudes that were drafted in the 2019 draft, first round, second round, it's turmoil. Uh, but first, I want to introduce Jonathan. You're coming to us a first time guest. Can you give us a little biography, good sir? Hey, guys, how you doing? Um, um of course, my name is Jonathan. I'm uh, from Chicago. Of course, a Bears fan, as you can see, all the uh, randomized uh, things that we get in games. And me and the family go to family fests and things of the na- that nature all year round. Everything the Bears do, we do. Excellent. Um, from, from Chicago, born and raised, um, never lived anywhere else. So everything is Chicago sports crazy, as you can see in the name <laughs> from my Twitter. So. That's pretty much it. I'm, I'm, you know, my birthday's in two, uh, two weeks. I'll turn forty. So oh, I'm just really? a kid in the nice. when I talk about sports. So. I thought you were like thirty when I saw you. So you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to keep keep it young and keep uh, free. <laughs> so are you? Uh, you can you can level with us. Are you pretty anti-Viking? Do you you dislike the Vikings? Uh, as a as a rivalry, I would say. During the season, during games, definitely. But okay. I can definitely respect the Vikings. I can respect – I've always respected everyone, shoot, every decade's, you know, greats and things like that. Sure. I'm a football fan first, you know, and, and a Bears fan, one beat. Okay. You know, <laughs> you, know uh, you guys got legends, you know. You, you may not win Super Bowls, but you got legends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was one of the nicest ways to put it. Usually, it's like, "Well, where's your trophy case?" And it's like, Bitch, right. we don't have one. Um, so, not, we only got one anyway, so it's not like. <laughs> well, it, it's it means a lot. Trust me, in the pecking order of things. <laughs> oh boy, if I could if I could straddle that one like you guys do the eighty five, my life would be a lot easier. Uh, let's see, what was I going to ask? I was going, oh, so before we jump into these wide receiver topics, I want to ask this. Do, do you get the vibe? Because uh, Wes is a Vikings fan, and, and so am I, that every time the Vikings play at Soldier Field, the game is this weird, sloppy game that just strange shit happens. And you're like, oh, well, yeah, this is Vikings Bears. What else would happen? Do you feel that way, or is that like a Vikings syndrome? Always, always. Every game <laughs> you play that's here, yeah. Uh, because you guys were blessed with a dome. I don't uh, uh, lucky you guys. Um, every game that's here, it's white covered snow, hard concrete looking grass. Uh, <laughs> I can remember Evan Hester returning the kick. I'm sorry to break your, you guys' hearts. No. Uh, 
you know, returning that kick and, and looking like he was on a slip and slide walking down the sidelines and stuff. Yeah. So it's always some weird, crazy, you could break a bone instantly by being softly tackled. It's just <laughs> the way the weather is for us. And it's always at the end of the year anyway. So, you know, right. you know how our Midwest Northern weather is. So Yeah. I always prep like uh, fans on Twitter for Vikings Bears week at Soldier that there's going to be fluky stuff that happens like oh, yeah. and I can never define what it's going to be but it's always something like the game's usually like 13 to 9 in the third quarter and then it comes down to like a trick two point conversion or a, the weirdest fumble you've seen in 8 years it always <laughs> happens so yeah. all right so the feeling is mutual jason has uh you're welcome to the show we were just talking bears vikings but now we're going to get into the red meat for the week and I'm going to start with west and I need I need you to explain to me why this is happening so down the line almost from the 2019 NFL draft, you have Debo Samuel, doesn't want to doesn't want to work here anymore. DK Metcalf, who might have that sentiment, or that might be a Seahawks-driven narrative. I'm not sure. Terry McLaurin wants a new deal, and AJ Brown has become public enemy number one. And he did the proverbial the the wipe of his social media. So it like in a matter of a week, all of these guys either want out, want a new deal. Is it just that time on the calendar? Yeah, they are coming due uh, for a contract extension. Uh, they are seeing all the money flying around to the wide receiver position this offseason, and they are wanting a taste. Um, I sent a meme to you guys earlier. Trent Balky kind of kicked this thing off by signing Christian Kirk, a uh, lesser-known wide receiver with uh, a vastly inferior – uh, resume and he got a bag and then that was followed up by you know record-setting deals for Devontae Adams for Tyreek Hill and so on and so forth so these guys were uh, they've been in the, the league for four years it's coming due for them to get a contract extension and they want to jump into this big party pool of of money that their uh, compatriots are, are swimming in currently. So that's kind of where we're at with the, with these wide receivers. Um, that's why I'm guessing a majority of them are wiping their social media accounts. And, you know, it's just the, the current state of the NFL. You know, that I understand that that is a, flimsy clue about malcontent but i'm so sick of seeing those tweets about so and so has cleared their name it's like okay like i know it has to get out there in the stratosphere but it's so like gossipy reality tv feel like oh boy I'm, i happen to be on his instagram he no longer has this word on it it gets on my nerves i understand it and it won't stop uh but jonathan so tell me your take does this surprise you at all that like a foursome of wide receivers all of a sudden and it almost in unison says, no, we need more money. It doesn't surprise me at all, given the state of the NFL the last couple of years. Um, I did notice the, the the Christian Kirk thing, and it baffled my mind. So I knew <laughs> mediocre to elite receivers were definitely going to want a bag after he got one after being, what, the right receiver three for the last <laughs> or sometimes four mm -hmm. uh, couple of years and all of a sudden he trips into a bag because Jacksonville Jaguars Jacksonville Jaguar mm -hmm. and suddenly everybody's like no I'm worth 24 then no I'm worth 25 then I, oh he got 27 I'm getting 28 then so I knew the next up guys the next the guys that are either needing to be extended this year or next year they're going to come for their bag absolutely mm -hmm. um then off the piggybacking of the, the quarterbacks, you know, I'm kind of digressing a bit. Once they got paid, of course, their receivers going to want to get paid. Like, so where's my money? Where's my respect? So all the, you know, they call them divas. I don't, I don't really consider them divas. I mean, you want to get paid, you get hit, you get hurt. You want to secure your legacy. So you want to be paid on the same level as, as your, your constituents or, or your peers. So, I, I knew it was coming, especially after, shoot, Tyreek got his bag. Oh, yeah, definitely it's going to be everybody else trickling in and, and knocking on the door. And it's going to – it'll probably – it won't probably be as massive as this year because it seems like everybody moved this year. 
but next year is it's it'll probably be similar. Yeah, I think it'll be the same. And <clears throat> they're not divas. These none of these guys are. And a diva is when you take off your clothes in the middle of a game and leave the field. <laughs> that that qualifies as divas. But because there's a WR, no, no, that, that that guy's a legend. <laughs> legend. <laughs> because there's a WR acronym next to guys who want money's names, then it's easy just to throw diva. But this isn't the case. So I I got a little speech on this to explain it for the listeners. So the salary cap every year, except for when there's a worldwide pandemic, inflates. So every contract, uh, in terms of sticker shock is going to feel bigger. So whether it's Kirk Cousins getting 35 million, a casual fan will hear that and think like, oh my God, that's got to be near the top of the NFL. Well, no, it's not really anymore. It's it's around eighth most in the league per average annual salary. So the cap inflates and people's attention span doesn't go along with it until you really sit down and study the salary cap. And then another important aspect of this is that wide receivers in the NFL are the new running backs. Just as you would perceive a running back in 1975, getting 40 carries a game in terms of how Peyton Manning and the Broncos changed the NFL, throwing the the bastard all over the field, every play. Now the world has realized that there's tremendous value in wide receivers. So as running backs don't even sniff the first round of NFL draft, you're going to have like four in, in, in 2022. On top of that, there's more player empowerment. These NFL players are pals with NBA players, and NBA has done a fabulous job of empowering players, and why not the NFL? There might be a little slower on the uptake in terms of getting with the times, but you know, players deserve to get paid, and now they have the voice and the platform to demand it, whereas 20 years ago, we would see this Debo thing and be like, what a prick. What if he's not a team player, um, but now we get it, and we, we weren't able to get it because the team could drive the narrative 20 years ago. And and the other thing that we always say on this show is that contracts don't matter. These aren't like your mortgage where you can say, "Bitch, I'm not pay- I'm not paying that." Uh, these contracts just really don't matter. Now these guys are on rookie deals, so they will finish out the deals no matter what. But when the juice kicks in after that, that's what they're trying to secure. But yeah, any contract in the NFL is really just a two year agreement. That's that's the rule of thumb. Now, Jason, how on earth did your football team, the Broncos? get out from underneath all this. They just signed dues before, and now they don't have to worry about it unless they ball out. Then they can bitch next year. Well, yeah, that was all part of the plan. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they were just, I mean, those receivers were just dying in Denver. Um, no way. I mean, they probably could have gotten more money, but yeah, I got to go back to the Christian Kirk thing that, that, that started it all off. And, you know, you mentioned that the wide receivers are the new running backs of today's NFL. I'm interested to see how many of these guys are going to, I mean, I think um, Adams in, in, in Oakland or Vegas might do reasonably good. Obviously he's Devonte Adams and he's got Derek Carr. I'm not sure about Tyreek Hill. Um, Debo Samuel. I'm not sure what he's, I mean, obviously he was terrific last year, but how, how good is he going to be in a non Shanahan offense? We'll find you out. Know, you got to, you got to factor that in um, receivers. I don't know if they did. I don't know. I think this is a bad, bad thing to be quite honest. I, I, I oh man, I, I don't know. I, I, I love what Denver did by all means. I mean, they ain't two guys for the price of one of these guys. Um, but when you pay a wide receiver, what is Tyreek Hill's contract anyway? Is that like a- four years, 120 mil, 120 mil. 30 million per year. He's the the standard bearer right now. So prior to Christian Kirk signing his deal, who was the highest paid receiver? Uh, I think it was Hopkins at 27.5, which felt ungodly. It really did. And Mm -hmm. so Kirk came really dang close to that. Somewhat. He just isn't very good. No, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. So then, yeah, he completely reset the market. And now I don't blame any of the other guys that have put up – the, the consistent numbers, but they've done it and can, you know, with, well, Diggs has done it in two different systems, mm-hmm. but it's going to take a minute for these receivers to be able to prove that, that they are worth it. And in, in, in another system, especially Hill. Yeah. Well, the thing on Hill is he's starting to get older. So you know, as I'm saying at yeah, 30 yeah. years, well, and, and Adams too, for that yeah. matter. Yeah. So those, you know? but those are like, but those are like the Kobe lifetime contracts. Like you pay them because of what they've done and you hope, 
that they'll they'll still do it. So yeah, and we well, somebody's going to do it. It might as well be your team. That's the philosophy. That it's true. That's true. And we had the conversation a couple shows back about how few <laughs> uh, wide receivers get over the age of thirty and still are productive. Um, mm-hmm. We even see we even seen the drop off with Julio, which yeah, I mean, I know you guys are pretty adamant that you thought that you know he was going to be. You know, and I was one of the few that said, I don't, I don't know. Um, is he still a free agent too? He is. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm still not convinced he's dead. I'm yeah, going to, I would have pound the table all summer that some team's going to get a gem. You know, there's, there's, there's Jerry Rice and Tim Brown and everyone else. But Julio is built like that. In, he is. In, he in is. theory, if this was an outlier, he could play until he's 36. Now he doesn't score many touchdowns. He never has. No. Uh, but I think he, he is a little bit of, um, an outlier. You know, that does concern me though, in Denver's case, you know, what, you know, cause <laughs> going to interrupt for just a second to talk about athletic greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality with one delicious scoop of athletic greens. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to start your day. Right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health and your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and of course, aging. It's all lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water each day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Both Patrick and Sutton both signed their deals. Then they've already been asked to restructure their deals. Yeah. And they've done it. (laughs) I mean, it's like, but after this season... After he they start to get some good quarterback play, it's hard to say what they're going to come crawling for. Yeah, they're going to be producers because Russ is there, and then you just wait and see how the market kind of looks at that time. The other thing to uh, consider, and I think Wes has touched on this, is that there is a very vivid chance that this WRB1 position is like evolving before your very eyes. If you would have yeah. told me 15 years ago that NBA teams – would shoot three-pointers like crazy like that, I'd laugh because I would have convinced that it would always be about rebounding and posting up and defense. But when the Warriors changed the game, everybody now has to shoot threes. So I think between Cordero Patterson and Devo Samuel, we're seeing an evolution of guys who can do both. And then those are the guys that are really going to snag the big bucks because they're a hybrid. And you need, you need more examples to solidify it. But I think that now that Shanahan has been able to use Debo like that or Belichick kind of unlocked Patterson that you're going to see a lot of guys that can actually do that. We just never painted them as such beforehand. Let me ask you something. How early in, in one's football career do you have to start adjusting to what you vision yourself to be if you can make it to the NFL? Like, because I know in high school, right? Running backs are still a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, college too, maybe yeah. not so much, but you know, yeah, I think it's as soon as you get, correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan, or I think it's as soon as you get to college, you got to have a pretty good idea. Because um, I've seen stories where so-and-so played tight end at high school, and now the dude's an edge rusher. I'm like, what? Uh, so I think it yeah. just comes down to athleticism. But isn't that isn't that a fair, fair take, Jonathan, that start of college is when you start to really nail it down? Yeah, I think um, once you get to the college uh, level, they they pretty much – I wouldn't say pigeonhole you into a spot, but they want to lock you into a spot after your, at least your your first year and, and and get you solidified in that spot so they can, you know, bring in other players and 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 for other positions and things like that. So pretty much I, I mean, like so I never played football except for in junior high, and that was way back in the early 90s. But so I'm, my, I guess my question is, is uh, as a football player growing up playing, you know, junior football and then into high school football and then college eventually is the, is the mindset of the kids nowadays? Like, well, I mean, I'm not even going to waste my time being a running back. I want to do this because of what the rewards could then later be in life. Not yet. 
as far as far as I've seen, I have nephews and stuff that are in like junior football. Um, I mean, they quarterbacks still reign supreme, so they they definitely want to be quarterback or yeah. Um, you know, maybe there's more of a transition to uh, wide receiver with the the Justin Jeffersons and uh, Jamar Chases of the world, where you know it's it, it's flashy. It's flashy to to score touchdowns and and to do the the Enzo dance. Not that running backs aren't doing it, but like you know you see it every Sunday um, yep. as, as these wide receivers score. Yeah. The, the other thing on that is you have to remember that this part of the conversation, we're talking about the cream of the crop guys who could potentially do both. A lot of teens and boys and then men are really only just good running backs. And they're going to be extraordinarily rich no matter what, if they get to the NFL, but some of them don't have the luxury. They don't have great hands, um, but there are crossovers like we've seen with Debo and that. But I think there are just some men that are built to play running back and they might start to be a dying breed, but they'll never fully go away because it's just supply and demand. Like yeah. there's got to be dudes who are good running backs. And then therefore they're not going to quit their NFL dream just because they're only going to make 8 million a year. Uh, right. it's just, just the best of the best that will be able to do both. will continue to evolve as the league evolves. You know, back when we were growing up though, Dustin running back was the, was yeah. the shit though. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah everybody me, wanted to be that. It's taken me yeah. a long time as a fan to shed, like run the ball, play defense, get to the Super Bowl yeah. because that's was ingrained in us throughout the I think everybody on this show is was reared in the 90s so all right yeah, let's go let's go on to the, the the reason for the season of this call and that's the Chicago Bears that's why we have Jonathan on what the topic that I have here is uh so Ryan Pace new general manager clean slate got rid or excuse me uh no yeah Ryan Pace who's the guy they just got rid of Ryan what um they got rid of Ryan Pace. Ryan Pay. Okay. Who's the new one? Poles. Ryan Poles. Poles. Ryan Poles. Excuse me. Yeah. So Ryan Poles is new with a clean slate. Uh, they got rid of the other Ryan P. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask you, Jonathan, to your expectation or your standard, are the Bears doing enough to prepare fields for prosperity, or are you just expecting this fabulous draft? I think, uh, like you just said, we just got rid of uh, – got rid of pace and and naggy and uh they kind of put the clamps on poles from jump uh with the bad contracts that they left behind um killed our draft cop capital pretty much and you know <laughs> poles had to come in and immediately trade mac so we can get something back and, and be able to put some some picks together in the mid rounds and uh, thank god we got the second round pick for mac too um right now i think he's doing the best that he can in regards to um, getting unique players that, uh, that uh, have both potential at a young age and uh, are cheap Mm -hmm. because we really don't have very much cap space. I think we're down to about 15, between 15 and 18 million in cap space right now. Uh, So the draft is definitely where we're going to build it. He already stated his, his game plan coming in. We're going to, Build through the draft, and then we're going to supplement through the through, through free agency. So, really, him going out and getting uh, Lucas Patrick uh, from the Packers or free agent, but uh, before he played with the Packers to to pair with Getzy and help get that line in order. Uh, going out and grabbing Byron Pringle, uh, which is a pretty good wide receiver three. You know, he coming coming from the Chiefs. High flying offense, you know, probably didn't get the the opportunities opportunities that he should. Uh, grabbed about forty two receptions last year. That, that's pretty good wide receiver three numbers, especially if you're going to go in a draft and maybe pick a wide receiver early, second round. Uh, plenty of big body guys there that could play the X receiver, and then you got Mooney. So you got Mooney, Pringle, and your X receiver from the draft. You know, we got a holdovers uh, like White Hair. Tevin Jenkins, who has untapped potential coming off the injury last year and then playing later on in the season, trying to get his sea legs, you know, together. And then Borum, you know, he was hit or miss, you know, but we know why. Look at the coaching. Coaching was horrible in the last two years. Uh, Trash game plans. Go back to the uh, Cleveland game where Fields was thrown to the 
wolves pretty much. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's one of the best defensive lines in the game. And you put them out there with no game plan, uh, no adjustments through it. You know, we went in a halftime and then came out of halftime and it was the same old, same old. I think he got sacked almost double digits that game, I think. Probably a record, I believe. Ugh. So, yeah, exactly. Very good. Uh, so they so, have the the I believe it's 39th and 48th pick in round two. Do you expect one of those for sure to be like a Sky Moore or Christian Watson wide receiver? Or is that in your digital community still up for debate? I think I, I think that uh if we don't trade back, which is you know, as, as long as we can trade back and, and get a few early third rounds uh with one of the one. Just one, not two. Uh, one of the second round picks, then one of the second round picks obviously can be uh, an ex receiver, a big body. Uh, Watson uh, sounds pretty good. I think Alec Pierce has a chance of of uh, he, he's getting some bad rapport, you know, or bad you know uh, uh, analysis going on right now. I think he's he, he has a chance of falling down to us. He's a big body receiver. May not be. A, the speedy guy, but he can, you know, be the jump, jump ball guy or, you know, um, help us move the chains and things like that as a big guy or, or even red zone target. Um, I think probably that first or second, uh, second round pick is definitely going wide receiver, but we absolutely probably have to capitalize on that guard position so that we can keep, you know, keep our boy. Yeah. We know all about that because Dozier was one of the acquisitions. And if he's the starter, then uh, Poles must know something we don't because mm, he ain't it. Um, I want on the second round, right? On the second round, right? Excuse me, second round wide receivers. Uh, I want to point out how general managers should circle that round with a red pen for a prime spot for wide receivers in general. Because in the last five drafts, I'm going to list off these dudes who have, all of them have come from the second round. Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Brown, D.J. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutland, uh, Curtis Samuel, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, D.J. Chark, Van Jefferson. And that's not even all of them. There's still some dudes with the verdict out, like uh, LaVisca Schnault and Curtis Samuel off injured, McCole Hardman. Um, So yeah, it's like this little known secret that the second round is a breeding ground for wide receivers. Whereas for quarterbacks, it's equally as miserable in the last like 10 drafts. You can't find a second uh, quarterback in the second round. So I hope general managers know that that there's going to be a lot of dudes. If history is a reasonable indicator of wide receivers available in the second round. Now, Wes is, was his synopsis of the bears. It was, was that fair to like, you know, uh, Equinamia St. Brown, Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle and draft, one of these second rounders, is that enough for Fields to take a next step? Yeah, I think what uh, Jonathan said, where they target wide receiver and then uh, somewhere along the offensive line, um, with those first two picks is probably ideal to set Fields up for success, um, as much success as they can. Um, One thing that... um, polls had, had said or I'd, I saw some type of blurb about it is um, you know he likes to to go out and sign a lot of these undrafted free agent types because these guys have had to fight every step of the way to get themselves on a roster and he wants to build that type of mentality with the team which I thought was pretty cool and uh, you know I, I know the Vikings were also looking into um, having uh pulls in for the GM position as well. Um so that was pretty interesting to hear. Now you, you can't have a, a team just of undrafted dudes. You you have to have some some blue chip prospects out there as well. Otherwise, you know um reminds me of some of the high school sports that I've been a part of where you know one team is far superior in talent and you know here here comes this um rudy type team where they come in and and they're just trying their best to to hang and and scrap and and stay with it but ultimately you know talent wins out so um i'm pretty sure that's what jonathan's hoping happens is you know he's able to locate some talent in the draft and then um I don't know if it's a strategy or not, but maybe 
um, once they've filled some holes after the draft, they can address um, like the second round of free agency, I guess, where um, players, I believe, signed after the draft. They don't count against the compensatory picks. So um, that could be a strategy by uh, a new GM as well. It's always so weird that the NFL draft happens after free agency. Uh, I know there's there's some sort of good reason for it, but it's just different from the NBA and yada, yada, yada. Uh, Jason, what's going on out in Broncoville? Usually you give us an update. Well, I wanted to actually – I wanted to chime in on the Bears a little bit. So as yeah. a Bears fan, uh, Jonathan, so I, I, got, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So in, what was it? it – and I talk about this season a lot. 2017 was their good one, right? Yeah. Yeah. The 20, yeah. The 2018 playoffs. And, and I talk about that season a lot because that was right in the middle of the dark, dark last six years as a Broncos fan. And <laughs> I, for one, would look around the league and I would get I would get envious of like young, young up and coming coaches and up and coming quarterbacks and what they what the type of system that they would run. And Chicago was one of those teams that year for me. I'd look at them and I'd be like, God, they get, they got, they're in a good spot right now. Young quarterback, Trubisky had some good numbers that year, good defense. And I thought that Nagy was a reasonably good coach. He won coach of the year, didn't he? He may have. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess as a, as a, like just as a non bear fan that was just kind of would see him on primetime games almost envious of their situation at that point, because I knew what our situation was. How did you feel about that season watching them? Um, as a Bears fan that season, I, 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 I pretty much knew what it was. It was kind of the, the league being caught by surprise, but not in the effect of what was Philly's coach? Uh, was it Brian Kelly about a decade back when he came in with bringing in all the, uh, what was it? The uh, no, it's Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. I'm yeah, sorry. Chip Kelly. Yeah, one of the Kellys. Um, <laughs> and how it caught the league by surprise, and then all of a sudden, a year or two later, you know, he was gone. You know, they figured him out. Mm-hmm. So, as a Bears fan, and and knowing our history of not having excellent or exciting top flight offenses, he didn't. He didn't hit that. The, the those New England Patriots style offense, the Kansas City Chiefs types of offenses, we scored, but it was a, a bag of trick plays and yeah. gimmick and gadget type of things that even Bears fans were like, mm, you're going to have to give us some more. We didn't see uh, progress that you might have seen. Uh, you probably seen more of the winning. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, oh, OK, well, they're making progress. But a lot of that was based on our defense and the position the defense put us in uh, at that time. They were able to scrap, uh, you know, get get some short fields and on takeaways, punt returns, things of that nature. And Nagy just put together some hitch plays or some across the middles with a, a tight end pitch run through the through the middle or something like that. And he became what, what I feel he, he just became too much of a magician trying to outthink everybody and try to out trick. And I'm super smart and in an and evil genius with this. And directly after that year, I think we went eight and eight, two years in a row. And people were like, give him a chance, give him a chance. And I was like, it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And they were like, but 2018, we had a great offense. No, we did not. <laughs> the same thing. They just figured it out. <laughs> and now they're stopping him. And now he's trying to create new things, but even the players aren't into it. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted your opinion on that. I, I figured <laughs> it was just that. I mean, I didn't, I saw, I looked at the stats. I looked at their record. I looked at their, you know, they're winning, like you said, from a macro level. And I didn't, and so I just wanted a Bears fans take on that. No, in Denver, everything's pretty much quiet. Um, off season, uh, voluntary workouts or involuntary workouts or whatever they've started um, every, every, Perfect attendance, obviously, as you can about imagine, everybody on the team wants to be a part of that this year. Even even the veterans, I wanted to be in there and get to get to know the new coach, and obviously, Russ being there is mm-hmm. is uh, super exciting. So, 
Yeah, just a lot of excitement still. All right, uh, let's go on to the draft. We'll have one more show for the drafts. So we'll probably go draft heavy next Wednesday. But Wes, um, I think I'm, I'm interested in any of your draft theories. Uh, we've joked a couple of times about how the Raiders aren't in the mix, so there won't be anything too crazy in the first 10 picks. Um, but I really think that I think Willis is going to go to the Panthers or the Falcons. And I think that will, I don't think I'll necessarily upset things, but I think, I think that's getting there. And there's even some folk, I think Jordan Reed from ESPN has even said that he wouldn't rule out the lions picking one of those dudes. So my, I think you, you said the over under on quarterbacks in the first round is two, two and a half or something like that. And I'm pretty certain that Pickett and Willis are going to go in the first round. If not, more when we get to the the saints and the Steelers and whatnot. So that's, that's my little thing is that I indeed think the quarterback trend will continue, but what are some of your draft theories that could make Thursday, the 28th interesting? That's a tough one. I, um, so yeah, I I set the, my own personal over under at two and a half. It, it it is looking like it'll probably be three with uh, Detroit taking the, the third quarterback. Uh, at the end of round one uh, to take advantage of that fifth year option. Um, I think you will see a lot of uh, defensive ends and uh, offensive tackles go in the first round uh, along with a lot of receivers. Um there are a lot of receiver needy teams towards the back end of the first round. Um, you're not going to see, you probably won't see a running back um, unless, you know, a team like Buffalo or one of those late round teams that could use a, uh, a rush or a running back. Um, they could sneak in and, and make that type of a pick. Um what else? Linebacker is another one where in previous years you might see four or five go in the first round. I'm, you know, seeing a lot of two, maybe three. So um, a lot of tackles, a lot of defensive ends, a lot of wide receivers, and then whatever else fits in between that is, is what I'm forecasting. Okay. And then I think the running backs, whenever they go, I think we're talking about that Brees Hall dude from Iowa state and the Michigan state guy, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker. Walker. Yep. yep. And the, some, some team uh, because of the way the game has evolved, going to get fabulous football players in the second mm-hmm. round or whenever they, they go off the board. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? You got any, any draft theories that are outside of the norm? So the saints recently had a hall of famer retire. And they tried to hybrid a tight end <laughs> running back, whatever he is. Uh, all, all, all credit due to his fantasy relevance. <laughs> um, uh, Hill was and his bank account. <laughs> and his bank account yeah, he got signed like he was going to be a starting quarterback, and then put back into the tight end. And then, of course, Jameis uh, going down with injury. Um, I don't think. Obviously, they don't see him as the quarterback of the future. It was a bridge quarterback. So my surprise of the draft, I think, is after that trade that they just recently mm-hmm. uh, did, I think, with the, the Eagles, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, to move up into the first round a little further, I think they go quarterback. You think it'll be organically or they trade up again? I think if the right opportunity uh meets uh or if they feel like there's a i don't think there's going to be a run per se like that like like said like what said two and a half mm-hmm. two, two to two or three quarterbacks maybe in that that round but if they feel that last team detroit uh whoever's the last team that uh in, in that round that might want a quarterback depending on which pick they use if they feel itchy i think they go ahead and scratch it and and, and move up but at the, at the place they're at, they probably could get somebody. Yeah. 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 I think uh, for certain, unless, unless this really is a quarterback league, hell or high water, I think right. for certain Matt Corral would be there. And if, if, if not Desmond Ritter, right. So I don't know if he's first round caliber. Um, if, if all of those dudes go in the first round, then you might as well for the rest of your life slate in four quarterbacks minimum <laughs> in the first round, because that will have been what the draft machine did is just 
drug all those guys. I was talking to a draft guy from uh, my website, Vikings territory. His name is Josh Fry. And um, he was talking about how that this is kind of going to be the norm is that quarterbacks, no matter what are going to go. Cause it's such a premium position and, you know, Ritter could go in the first round and so be it. Uh, Jason, do you have any draft, any draft surprises for the group? I don't really. I mean, I, other than what I said a couple shows ago, I, th- I think there will be more, way more than two. I think I wouldn't surprise me at all if there's four quarterbacks that go in the first round. And um, to your point, I don't, I don't see that ever changing, especially nowadays. I don't think any, a team has anything to lose by doing that. Really, I mean, if you're even remotely on the fence, do it. If you're in the position to do it, and I, I I agree with Jonathan. I think the Saints pull the trigger on a quarterback. I actually think that they might make a move to trade up ahead of Carolina to take Willis. Yeah. The other right. thing that that draft guy Josh told me was that, it, in his estimation, if Mac Jones was in this draft based on the way that he was hyped last year, he might be the first overall pick. That's how different or underwhelming on paper or on tape this draft class is. So take, take that with what you will. Let's talk about some quarterback stuff that's already existing in our final couple topics. Uh, let's talk about the Panthers because by my estimation, the Seahawks and the Panthers, I, I don't know if the Seahawks are telling the truth or not about being committed to Drew Locke. Usually when they say it's our intention to start him a quarterback, that's just bullshit. But who knows? Maybe maybe he can be un, uncorked out Intent, there intentions right? <laughs> yeah yeah whenever you hear that we intend oh boy that guy's gone uh it really is like that word i'm i see it now and i'm like whoa nope he's gone uh but the panthers they are on an eternal quest to get a quarterback they've gone through cam newton teddy bridgewater sam darnold's supposed to fix it he didn't didn't surprise us but now they're like all right and we still got these guys in house and at least that's why my Willis to them theory is so palpable because I just, I'm not, I just don't think they're going to go with Darnold again. And if they were going to do something, they would have done it by now, whether it's court Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo. So Wes, tell me either. It's kind of tough to say week one, but by mid season, who will be the Panthers QB one? I'm getting a lot of grunts from you tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know who, who looks best in a, a waste management jersey. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a tough one. I, I saw something earlier with the proposed trade. Um, since uh, Debo's disgruntled, uh, they. San Francisco trades Debo and Jimmy G to Carolina for uh, like a couple firsts and a second or something like that. And I was like, oh, that might make a little bit of sense. Um, I don't know how Carolina's books are, but they obviously have to pay Debo. And then um, Jimmy's contract with Sam Darnold's contract might be a little too much, but um it might be a rookie. It might be Sam Darnold while the rookie learns. Um, I don't know if they, they go quarterback at six, though. Um, that offensive line also needs a lot of help. So um, a lot of chatter with a tackle going to uh, Carolina at six. Uh, if not, Willis would make a lot of sense. Uh, hope to bring you know the same magic that they got with uh, Cam Newton when he came out of Auburn to them. So um, we will say, we'll say Malik Willis. Okay. That's fair because the only problem, so I agree that getting a left or right tackle, whichever one they need is smart, but if they do that, they're doing nothing at quarterback unless they have it on good authority that Ritter will be available when they pick again or something like that. And you just, you never know. Um, But it leads me to, because they would have done something by now. I mean, Garoppolo is a winner. He's not overly dynamic, but he wins. Uh, Mayfield seems like the obvious choice in the world, but that hasn't happened. So it just seems that they're 
waiting. And it's, it's a very weird spot on the football field. Just be like, yeah, figure it out later. Uh, especially, <laughs> especially now, Jonathan, tell me the Panthers quarterback situation. What do you foresee? Uh, I see them. Uh, uh, if they don't do the trade for Baker, I, I've been seeing things around uh, them doing their due diligence on that particular trade. It probably be the, better trade uh value wise uh, i don't think they have to give up you know second or third round picks maybe not even the fourth rounder uh for baker at, at this time with them knowing that cleveland cleveland has to give him up uh, because he'll just be sitting on the roster behind watson or and he's not going to play if what if watson is suspended that's a whole nother story um so and just to kind of piggyback on West real quick about the crazy trades that we've seen. Uh, I've seen a Twitter trade uh, claiming that they should trade a the sixth pick uh, and their 33rd pick for Justin Fields and our 39th pick. And I will say hell to the no to that. <laughs> I was posed uh, because that's, uh, that's pretty trash. Uh, not, no, oh, no, not the sixth pick, the, the Sam Darnold and the 33rd pick for Justin Fields <laughs> and the 39th pick. I'm sorry, because I will take the sixth pick, but I will not give up Justin Fields for the sixth pick. Uh, but, yeah, that one, that was uh, absolutely asinine, and I was like, yeah, okay. Um, but I, who do I see? Um, if it's not Baker after a trade, I, I agree with uh, West. They go into the season with Sam Darnold, uh, let him get beat up and racked up. Um, and kind of let, uh, if they go early Willis, if they trade back with the sixth, which makes, makes sense and get some more help on the offensive line earlier, maybe get a, uh, another first round pick and a, a second round pick, maybe even another mid round pick. Um, they probably can use either that 33rd or that later first round pick on a, you know, uh, Ritter or maybe even later for, I don't, I don't really know where Pickett is going to fall. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of up and down. I think with, it's a big mystery. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. think he might even fall to the second, maybe even third round. If he's not one of those, uh, four that Jason's mm-hmm. in the first round, if he falls out of those four, yeah, he's going second or third late. Yeah, Pickett is uh, – You one day you'll see him going to the Lions, and the next day you're like, God, is he going to be in the second round? Uh, Jason, tell me about the Panthers. What do you got for their QB1? Let's just hope for their sake it's not Darnold. Uh, <laughs> God, as a fan base, that would just be the most devastating news. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see a couple draft night trades too. You never know for one oh, of these guys with uh, Jimmy G and in Baker. Yeah. So what, what's going to happen with Jimmy G if he doesn't get that's, traded? Are they going to start topic. him? Okay. We'll, we'll all wait on that. Then. Um, no, um, I don't know. I I'm just hoping it's for their sake. It's not Sam Darnold. Um, I agree. I think I, hopefully maybe Baker can squeeze in there somehow. Um, in terms of the Seahawks, are we going to touch on that coming up or no, you can go on. You can talk about Seahawks. I think the Seahawks roll with drew. Uh, I know that there's some guys, uh, the GM there, and there's some other guys in in the building that that do like Drew. And you don't hear about that a whole lot. And I mentioned this before um, in the national media, but you know, people out of Denver are telling me that that Drew was a big part of this trade. Um, you know that they weren't going to do it without Drew, and I don't know why you'd bring him in. He's got one year left to control on there, and if they're in complete rebuild mode, they're going to have to pay uh, DK if they want him around big time, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, and I think you can get, if you're in a rebuild now mode, you don't have nothing to lose. You might as well roll with drew for one year. And if it goes bad, well, guess what? You got a good quarterback class coming up next year that you can re up that quarterback mark, uh, you know, time frame. get your guy in the first round and restart it over and at a cost controlled level. So I, don't, I just don't think you have anything to lose with you go with Drew and have Gino as your backup. I mean, it, you know, let's, you know, because I think they're stockpiling their money to pay DK and they can reset the quarterback timetable next year. Yeah. And the, they, 
they could be one of those teams that because they've had prolonged success for a decade that will concede a transformational year in preparation for CJ Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, we're going to we have a more normal draft class next year. So it's all a matter of whether or not they have the patience to do that. Some teams do, some teams don't. And but Metcalf is the wild card uh, because, you know, usually those dudes that are so high octane like that aren't aren't fans of rebuild. So we'll see on him. But true. The final topic of the night is a piggyback of this, because I think the working theory is the 49ers can't trade Garoppolo to Seattle because that's their neighbor and they have to see him twice a year. And then it's like the, the Garoppolo to the Panthers thing hasn't really got off the ground. Same conference. But Garoppolo and arguably Baker Mayfield and his development, they need to play football somewhere. Uh, I think would Baker just sits out and then he's uh, open to the to the world. Somebody takes a flyer on him next year at this time. Or, or Garoppolo, like a certifiable winner, but nobody's – knocking at the door for him. The guy just goes to a Super Bowl, goes to NFC championship. Nobody cares. And so it, it's kind of strange that these guys are orphans. So Jonathan, tell me, do you think that either one of these men have a starting job in early September next year? The only one that I could see starting next year is Garoppolo for the 49ers. If yeah. Lance, if Because I didn't see any real progress in Lance's anything. You know, Trey Lance didn't really, you know, I'm not knocking him. I believe this offseason he can he can get it taken care of. Uh, but it didn't even seem the coach had any faith in him, you know. Um, didn't seem like he was getting it. Didn't seem like didn't seem like he wanted to do anything more than use his legs. So I could see his transition to the NFL being more of a two to three year thing, you know, maybe mid season this year, he, he finally gets it and it clicks for him and then he takes off. So Garoppolo, I could see him starting maybe week one through four or something like that, because he is, like you said, he playoffs, Super Bowl. Why are we trading this guy? Oh, <laughs> because we made a stupid draft choice last year to pick up a, a guy that we're not even using and, and we're gimmicking him. Uh, Baker, unless he gets traded to Carolina, which uh, which is kind of every day that it gets close to the draft, is like, I don't know, because what would y'all be really waiting for? You got the draft picks to 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 shoot off the ammunition to get them. Um, you don't necessarily have to pay them right away. You know, you could be negotiating through the year if you if you like. But maybe you're right. Maybe everybody's just waiting for him to hold out sit out the year and then try to negotiate with him then. Um, I definitely don't see him starting with anybody unless it is Carolina and it's not looking too good. It's not. And the only thing that I can surmise on him and then Garoppolo to an extent, Garoppolo is a little different because he's under contract and therefore has to be traded. Whereas everybody knows Baker's uh, not going to play for the Browns, but they could both of them just be, marinating all summer the first part of the regular season and inevitably some quarterback top 12 quarterbacks going to get hurt and then like if it's the bucks you know brady tore his acl that's the end all right well we're going to call baker mayfield like they they can sit there and just be like the the hitman uh for hire when somebody goes down but it just seems like such a really young age for baker to have to do that especially for their number one overall pick when when these shows were taking place four years ago uh, Wes, so in San Francisco, is it a foregone conclusion in, in the city that you live in that Lance will be QB1, or is that still up for debate? I think it's still up for, for debate. Um, with Lance, he's kind of an interesting study. He sat out his last year um, as one of the, the COVID um, – one of the players that set out uh, because of the COVID pandemic uh, was drafted very high uh, from San Francisco. They gave up a ton of draft capital to uh, do so. And then you have Jimmy G who was already the incumbent and signed through this season. Um, Jimmy G proved himself again last year. Looked like he had the team, you know, ready to uh, 
make a run at the Super Bowl to, um, you know, coming up against uh Rams team with Aaron Donald and Von Miller to harass him in that uh, third matchup that they had on that season on the season uh, to finally, um, you know, take that loss. Uh, just looking into the cap situation going into this season, uh, the Niners are actually in the worst uh, cap space out of all the teams. They they have one point five million above the cap. Um, obviously, they need. I think it's somewhere around eight million usually for for the draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, the Browns, on the other hand, have uh, the second most cap space, which I thought was uh, interesting. The Deshaun Watson deal helps that a lot since he's only going to be making a uh, dollar or something. Yeah, counting <laughs> for is right uh, a million against the cap this year, fifty thousand, yeah. five hundred thousand, whatever it is. Um, so. Uh, for the Niners, it behooves them to move on from Jimmy G this year. Uh, just from a cap standpoint, I'm not certain how much of that would be tied up in dead cap space if they did decide to trade him. Um, the Browns are in a prime position to just hold out and wait and see. Um, whatever team either of these guys go to, you know, they, they have to be able to absorb those contracts. Um, and there's not a whole lot of quarterback needy teams with, uh, that type of cap space remaining. I know, uh, I saw something earlier today where if Baker does get released, uh, the first spot that he'll probably, or that would probably want to sign him would be Pittsburgh and they would probably insert him as, as the starter. Uh, unless something happens in the draft where, um, you know, they get a, a Ritter or a Malik Willis. Oh, that would be, that would be poetic. <clears throat> you know, the Browns <laughs> did him dirty and he goes to steel town. Yep. All right, Jason, take us off air with your landing spots of Baker Mayfield, the fabulous first name, by the way, and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I just don't know. I, I think Jimmy's has to quarterback in San Francisco, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he makes it through a season pretty much uninjured and they get almost to the Super Bowl. It's it's a baffling, baffling situation why this man does not have any suitors. And again, though, we might see a draft day trade with this guy. Baker, let me ask, he he still needs a contract, though, correct? Baker, he, he's not on a big deal or anything, is he? Well, this uh, he, would be his uh, final year, his fifth final year. year. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. What an interesting situation you'd have to ponder if you're a GM bringing that guy in. I mean, and then what do you what do you pay him? Um, you know, or is it just a one year prove it deal? Yeah, pretty much. Probably, I guess you probably. I mean, I'm sure he'll probably want more, but that'd be part of the gig, as you say. Oh, all right, you're you're playing on whatever this is, 15, 16, 17 million, and then hey, if you throw thirty pick, thirty touchdowns, ten picks, we'll, we'll give you the bag. Yep. Yeah. He's on the books for eighteen point eight. This. Okay. This season, and if they cut him, it's a eighteen point eight dead cap hit. Yeah, it's guaranteed. It's fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where either of them play. I agree that Trey Lance probably may not be quite ready yet. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't even have any guesses. To be quite honest, <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't know what happens. Well, the Niners, they got a. I mean, I, I I can see a world that Jonathan talked about where they do go Garoppolo again. It's not not that I'm think that is impossible but they gotta play this dude like they they traded if it, they just found him 28th pick last year's draft then they'd be fine they could sit on him like Favre and Rogers but they traded a farm for him and hot the seats will get hot if you just don't play the bastard yeah um, and and to Wes's point he didn't even play his last year in college this dude has not played in almost three years yeah it's right. really weird and i mean it's it just adds to the mystery of why he was the one that they traded everything for i mean he could be fabulous but it's just a really big question mark for a team that is so close to being there every year they beat the packers they get close to super bowl you can mark it down and yeah. the idea was that lance would take him over the top but still they have this flirtation with a quarterback win savant and garoppolo that no Nobody trusts <laughs> other than 
you know, just being a guy who can guide the ship. Otherwise, somebody would have traded for him by now. All right. Well, Jonathan, we appreciate you joining. Um, we hope that you'll return. You can hit Wes up whenever you're in the mood to chat with us on Wednesday nights. We like a fourth. Anything closing arguments, Wes, from you, sir? No. Yeah, Jonathan, we'll, we'll be happy to have you back. Uh, maybe get it some Packer bashing going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even Jason can appreciate that. All right. That's all we got for tonight for NFL Trend Zone. And peace. Good night, guys. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.